All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Let me know who's on or the house is. Please let me hear myself here as well. Good afternoon. I can't see anything on the screen as well. All right. Of course, Marion is the big family person, loving the intro. Anything with family, she enjoys it. Good afternoon, Wealth Nation. I told you I'm going to need you guys to interact with me to this afternoon. Um, just making sure we do everything in our power um, with due diligence and patience to ensure that we all understand as best as possible. Good afternoon, Lauren, Benny, Grace, Frank, Christiana, HOX on. Good afternoon, HOX. Esther Dedeke, Esther Kamara, good afternoon, help us house. I just want to greet everyone, make sure everyone's tuned in. Daniela, good afternoon. Pastor Indidi, good afternoon. Callum, good afternoon. Alarcon, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Of course, good afternoon to those here with me in the studio. Corriday, good afternoon. Aram, good afternoon. Nora, the whole family should be on. The whole family, the whole family should be on. Um, I'll touch on things. I'm going to not do it in the conventional word way. You know, in the word way, it's just you just keep speaking, keep speaking. I'll take time. I'll look at notes if I have to. I'll go back to points. Um, just because it was impressed in my heart that we should do everything for everyone to understand. And I know that even with that, not everyone will understand. And it's not totally understanding that you need, um, meaning that you will come to understand in time. But for this moment of time, we'll do all that we can to make sure everyone understands as best as possible. Esohe, good afternoon to the House of Prosperity. Melvina, good to see you on. Good afternoon. Ramses, House of Influence. Dan, good afternoon. Lamel, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So let me start this. It's going to encourage you to get your notes out. Um, don't assume you know anybody, not one person. Um, I encourage you that you take out notes. You take up the position of a student. I was speaking till late with some of the people in the house last night or early hours of this morning. Good afternoon, Pastor Liz. Good afternoon. I was speaking to early hours of this morning and I was saying in this time, I believe that God wants to train us in our ability to hear. God wants to train us in our ability to hear because you know where I'm going today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with speaking or expanding the word charge yesterday, not assuming that anybody heard it. From there, I'll begin to share with you, sorry, the instructions I believe I heard from yesterday's word. I said yesterday to the house that it's also important for a leader to be able to look into the, or look for the growth of an individual. A leader must know truth. A leader must be able. And when I'm saying a leader, I'm not referring to myself alone. Every single person here because you will go out to lead nations. It's your destiny, it's our core. But it is important that 
you are not deceived because if you are deceived, then everything relying on you is also deceived. You must be enlightened. You must know truth. Truth, one of the truths I want to say is I know that probably 90% or more had no clue what PT said yesterday. Not because you didn't want to hear, yeah, but the practice, the pattern of scripture is that even the closest disciples to which core and destiny has fallen upon, they usually don't understand what is said in the public. Are you here with me? Again, I will need your interaction. You will probably not be able to understand what is said in the public. So you would see constantly in scripture, the disciples taking Christ to the side and asking him, what were you saying? These were the disciples, you know. These were they that was going to go on to take the nations. These were they that were going to take the word. God was trying to entrust the word to them, but they didn't understand. So that's why I had to start off saying that it's not, it's not a problem if people don't understand. The issue is, is if you're not a seeker to understand. So we're going to go all over the place today. I want to find the scripture that says that by now you should have, um, um, in other words, graduated from what you're, you should have been teachers, but you ought to be taught because you no longer try to understand. Do you understand? Do you, I think it's Hebrew somewhere. We'll start off there. So just as a disclaimer, I'm going to take my time with this. Um, if you don't have endurance, tap out. Um, I pray for you. I've been praying for you, praying for us. God will give you the ability to stay. So let's start off with that scripture. We'll go all over the place today, but let's start off. Spiritual immaturity. This is what is subtitled. Go on. Hebrews 5 verse 11. Go on. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. We have much to say. There is much to impart. There is much to give to you, but you don't have the capacity because some way along the line, somewhere down the line, you have become void of hearing. What makes an, an individual void of hearing? They no longer try to understand. Why can they not try to understand? You know, when we hear try, you think of effort, yeah? You think of effort, you're making the effort to understand. Why do you not have the capacity to make the effort? Some way or somewhere down the line, the grace that gives you power to make an effort has been wasted. Uh, you're going to see somewhere when I get to the, so the first part is the word charge. That's where I'm speaking to you. Conversations through to the opening of an, of an account, through to the crediting of that account. Then I'll speak to you about partnership in preparation for tonight's service. So somewhere down the line, we spent energy. We spent grace that should have been lined up for something else. Grace lined up for you to try to understand because you must break into a realm. How realms work is that you have to break into it. You push, but it takes resilience. It takes energy. It takes effort. And God help you in the day when your strength is required of you 
that you have no more. Because in God's eyes, he apportions exactly what you need. So if you fall short of what you need, it means that it's only an explanation to you and I that you spent it on what you shouldn't have spent it on. So please carry on reading that scripture when it gets to spiritual immaturity. It says, we have much to say about this. Go on. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. So as slow as I will need to be, as um, strenuous as it may be today for me to keep speaking, dragging, making sure I'm covering every point. So I've gone back and even my notes, I've had to expand it to make sure that everyone hears this. Good afternoon, Bishop. I, it's it would be hard for me to make it clear to you if there's not a demand from you to also try and understand. But carry on reading, go on. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Yeah. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. But, but solid food is for the mature who... By constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. For that to be made effective in your life, you must use it constantly. What are you using? Your ability to hear. So you can almost take this, this morning almost like a leadership session. It's your ability to hear what's going to move you from where you are now to where you ought to be, where God is trying to drag you to. It's going to be your ability to hear, so you must train that side of your life. You know, it's easier to express. It's harder to sit down and take in. But that's what you must train. That's what you need to be made powerful. You know, this is me going ahead of myself, and I shared it with some people. 14th of November, 2021, is when I first started to speak the message Wealth Nation. I spoke the message Wealth Nation to you. God had started opening my heart to this a few days prior. I want you to look at this. We started that conversation, and at the close of the year 2021, our last service when I spoke to you about the gift of God being leadership, the thing that you have to carry on with you to this year, if you want to see prosperity. I closed the service after our worship, say, worship session, saying that when we cross into the new year, we're going to be called Wealth Nation fully. Few days after that, Pastor Toby comes and speaks and launches the platform Wealth Nation. For branding um, sake or in terms of branding, it puts us now in a very difficult position. So straight after that service, while we're still seated, as the service is closed, you know, for those that are at the studio, once the, um, the last animation plays, PT's like, thank you, everyone, then that's when conversations start. As soon as he said that, I've turned to him and I said, like, boss, you're going to have to rename us then. And he looks at me intently and he says, no, you must remain Wealth Nation. Now, you can imagine the headache thinking, how would we play this out? Because, and it's only a few days ago that I started to realize, you know, when I've been saying to you, I've been quite, I think I've been very annoying for the last two months or so. But when I've been saying to you guys that 
you see there's COD and then there's Wealth Nation. And not everybody will be able to make it through to Wealth Nation. I am speaking something that the Spirit has given utterance in terms of knowledge of it. I have not yet seen it. I don't understand why not everyone can go into Wealth Nation. However, as of the other day, I realized something. I was saying yesterday that in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So it's proper for you to have people of like mind that you seek counsel from to ensure that the decisions you're making or the road you're choosing to walk on is, um, is something that the house agrees with. So not to take more time that, than I'm going to take this afternoon, I realized that PT also started saying something towards the end of last year, that there is a vehicle that has taken us to where we are, but cannot take us to a new height. If you remember one of the words, he said in one week, he had that dream almost five times, if you remember. God's speaking to him that there's going to be a change of operation without misplacing certain pillars and values. So I understand why it was difficult to comprehend Wealth Nation because my old mind is trying to interpret something that God is saying new. Wealth Nation in my mind will be another church. It's just church being renamed. But it's an entity that we are progressively discovering. It may not be church, but it's church. But let me just leave that. I just needed to say that to you. So why I brought that up was to then say, you see preparation. Preparation is key, but usually greatly despised. Practice. Years of playing football and everyone's ego of playing the match because there, if you score a goal, is real. In training, if you score a goal, it's not real. You can score a hat-trick in training, but no money. You won't get paid on that. That's not going on any system that a scout can look at. So it's fake. You're playing with people who won't commit a full challenge to you because they are not your opponent. They're your teammate. But you see, the people that perform best on the playing field on match day are those who treat preparation, practice, like the match day. Those who invest greater time, diligence, those who are patient enough to see a skill that they are unable to execute, see it through until they can naturally do it. So I said that you see preparation, most times people despise it because they cannot fully see where this is going. Are all the houses on with me? I need every house listening. They cannot fully realize, you know, if all of a sudden the leader over you starts to place a greater demand on you, your eyes and your mind are limited to what you are seeing here and now. So sometimes what should be fully appreciated, you'll grudgingly accept because you cannot see. And that's not a problem. As far as leadership can see and you are connected with leadership, you will inevitably hear them through to your success. And when you finally see, you appreciate everything. So remember that God actually says, do not despise discipline. It's hard. 
is difficult. Yet at the end of it all, you will yield a result of righteousness. You'll bear the fruit of righteousness. It will be for your good. So also with preparation, if there's a cup final, I'll just use football as my illustration. If there's a cup final, yeah, this cup final is, uh, God help your team. Tony, you know football, so I know you will understand this. God help your, your team. If you're just someone without training that shows up on the match day final, there'll be many things that can be questioned. Your fitness, your sharpness, not over, not only your physical sharpness, but your mind. There'll be many things that will be questioned, questionable at that time. But you see, in order for you to be fully prepared or ready at your optimal best for the match day, the final, you will have to prepare out of time to be ready in time. I'm trying to say to you with all these illustrations that we are moving into a realm. We're not there yet. We are being, we're being made prepared. We're being prepared. And you must have the right attitude at this time so that when your time comes, you'll fully be able to exhibit all that you were meant to. I'm still trying to say to you that all that we're doing doesn't make sense because the time for what our core is has not yet come. Does that make sense? Let me try and make it more practical. If the time for the Wealth Nation family is 30th of January 2021, if that will be effective, it's all the times we are experiencing now in preparation for that. So again, I want you to say, and this is my first point I wanted to start off with before we get into stuff, is that we're in a time of preparation and your attitude here is already what's going to determine how you will behave or be able to, to perform at your time. PT said at the close of last year, at the Woman of the City event, posting on his Instagram, he says, and I always say to you, whenever you see myself, it represents every single one of you, everyone that's knitted. Do you understand? Every single person, you know, that's not even a nice comment, it's scriptural. Do you understand? It's anyone that's one with Christ, anyone that was one with Moses. Anyway, I don't need to go into that. I spoke about that in Gift of God of Leadership. You're one with that person. So when PT posts a picture of myself, posts a picture of the Wealth Nation family and says their time will come, I understand that to knowing that everything that I'm doing now is vital for that time. Every single thing. So my prayer for you, and this is where I want to start. My prayer for you is, I pray that God will give each and every one of us the ability to meet the demands that God is bestowing upon this family. If you cannot tell right now that everything spiritually around us has changed, is shifting, then maybe you're not the person for this new age if you cannot tell. 
If you cannot say in your life that there were certain things permittable at certain times that now it cannot be accepted, maybe you are not being directed to the new nation. Let me also say this as a disclaimer because today I think it wasn't intentional that it was going to be a leadership thing, but I think I'm just going to do it as that. Imagine that God rest his soul, and I say this in no disrespectful way, I hope no one um, reads into things that I'm not saying. But there's a hope dealer. Look at this week. Back in Lancaster House, I saw the hope dealers. The hope dealers then was Means, Pastor Nathan, and a guy called Jay Smalls, right? Now, in case you don't know, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Jay Smalls sadly passed away Um is it now two days ago or three days ago? Three days ago. When they were telling me, I struggled to empathize with it. Sympathize, I couldn't. It's not out of disrespect for someone that's died. Of course not. I don't have the power to do that. But more so that the cause of his death, one, he's left the nation. I've always said it, that he... he He that is found outside the ark will drown with the waters that raises the ark. I've been saying this since 2016. Ashburnham, the vision that all will come into this nation. I've been saying it. Eventually, everyone will have no choice. If God is merciful enough, if someone's heart still has a chance of hearing God's voice, they will eventually, even if they've previously rejected this message and this nation they will eventually come into it and he was there before I was and he left then I heard that he died and when I asked how he died I was thinking maybe unfortunately caught in a wrong place at the wrong time maybe you know the kind of um, areas we live in maybe it was a stabbing or whatever and it was nothing like that he died by alcohol poisoning Um, someone said, I don't know how true it is, but it's what someone said, that he had like about 20 shots because it was his birthday, celebrating his birthday. Now, look at the way my heart hears this. I said that there are two invisible things in this world, in the universe. The first invisible is what Colossians 1 said to us, God, life, invisible. But do you know what else is invisible? Death. You don't see death. You see the effects of it. Do you understand? Just like you see the effects of God, but God or death itself, you don't see. And what amazes me is that I I, I won't go into this because this would be me going too far from where I want to go this, this afternoon. But I realized if someone's going to be blessed or if someone's going to live, they would have opened their heart to God, to his word, to a place that that counsel will be embedded in their heart. If someone is to live, the counsel of life will be directing them in their heart. So we have had celebrations where alcohol was permitted. Why didn't someone die of alcohol poisoning then? Either the regulation of leadership or something in their heart just tells them it's time to stop. But you see, if death is the one leading you, 
death's counsel will keep telling you to do something. So the reason why I couldn't sympathize, not because I disrespect him, was simply this. Death was the one speaking to him. If God didn't feel to interrupt it, who am I? If God didn't come and interrupt that conversation, who am I? And I was given an example of people who have died. People who have gone on the week before they died, have gone onto Snapchat and said things like, I, they, they see themselves being stabbed in the chest. They've seen a dead friend coming to draw them, drag them to where they don't want to go. Um, parading this on, on Inst Instagram or Snapchat. But I being more mature now and knowing the word, you being more mature and knowing the word, you just know that in his heart, the conversations of death was reigning. Death had control over him and was going to direct him to death. So I say all of that to say that the reason why these conversations are important is because God's trying to drown out the conversation of death in you. The conversation of poverty in you, because if that conversation of poverty, which is a substance of death, is in your heart, you won't know it. I said yesterday, I was giving Keith as an illustration, your heart is you. So you won't even realize that you're doing something outside of, you will just feel like it's you. But the counsel there is really what's driving you. So God is trying, why do we spend long in the word? God is trying to drown out the voice, the counsel of death in you so that you do not begin to act out and express. You do not begin to make visible the invisible death. Rather, you should make visible the invisible God. So I pray for you, and I actually want us to go to Hebrews 11 with what I'm about to say now. I pray for you that God will give you the ability to meet the next level demand. The obedience, you know, we all said it. The, 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 the price of the nation has gone up drastically. And I know with everything in me, the quality of people that will emerge from this season will blow our minds. It's just that you should know today what God is trying to say is that it's not going to be people outside of you unless you reject him. That's how I'm going to start this conversation. It will not be people, the, the great people, the wealthy people, the powerful people that are to emerge from this season. They will only be people outside of you if you reject or say to yourself, you cannot meet up with this level of conversation. So, and you know, when I'm saying that, I'm praying that God will give you the ability to meet the next level of demand. It's not even you. You can't even do it. That's strange now. I'm praying for your ability, but you can't do it. You remember scriptures like, I pray that you be strengthened in your inner man. It's strength that will be exhibited through you, but it's from a source within you. So God laid on my heart before coming downstairs that this demand that he's placing on us and that we're praying that we'll have the ability to respond to, because this will help me when I get to the partnership side. It's... The only way around this, I need you to hear this, the only way you'll be able to meet the demand, yeah, is going to be, how can I say this now? The only way you'll meet the demand, yeah, 
is going to be based on your familiarity on how God works. Okay, let's look into scripture so you understand what I'm trying to say. Hebrews chapter 11, read from verse 17. 17, go on. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Imagine, this was the biggest test for a man who had spent the best of a hundred years waiting for a child. This man, Abraham, had acquired all things. 318 trained soldiers in, at his disposal. Families that he had to feed. In order to keep the loyalty of a people, he must continuously inspire. He must have the authority. Because when you see that amount of people following, there are so many things in this world that can draw their attention, their soul, away from him. But now, God, it looks, it appears like God has blessed Abraham with what he was looking for. I want you to remember that Abraham was not first looking for nations. I'm starting this conversation. So the word charge I gave yesterday, I understand that it was in an, in an exciting environment. But for you to hear it, I'm now have to go, I'm going to have to break it down as word. Remember that Abraham was not first looking for nations. He was looking for a son. Let me make that even more specific. Abraham was not looking for nations. Abraham was looking for a son. I'm trying to say to you that before God's conversation starts with you, you will never look into the capacity of nations because the first and main conversation of God is nations. Are you hearing me? I need to make sure everyone, so keep engaged with me, those of you tuned in. The main conversation of God is not your marriage. It's not even your health. God has started a conversation of nations. That's the main conversation. In fact, wherever you go and a conversation is happening outside of this, be ready to see a God that will never respond to you because he's already busy in a conversation. Pastor Ashley was calling me yesterday while I was driving and I was mid-conversation with um, Pastor Enrique. And I will have to keep that phone ringing because I'm already in one conversation. You know, when you're praying outside of the conversation that God is having, it's like a ringing phone when there's a conversation already going. You will delay answer. You will refuse answering it. So the years before the nation, we, you know, people thought I was trying to make a joke. I was trying to make something practical. When I said that my zeal brought me to a place and the brothers to a place where we can do prayers all night on a Ghanaian radio show, got to a place that we're sweating and we have to take off our tops, you would have thought and reckoned that this, these are people really trying. God, where is, going to, where is the payment for what they're doing? Where's the payment for their services? And guess what? It didn't matter the things we did. There was absolutely no payment. Not one. After all of that, we still walked home. After all of that, there was no insight to something bigger because we were trying to engage with a God who was busy in a conversational line already. I need you to hear this. So Abraham, 
could not have asked for nations because for somebody to begin to look for nations, it must be that God has started that conversation with them. So for Abraham, all he needed was an heir. He needed someone that was going to take over what he had. But then God says, look, Abraham, there's something bigger than this. Look, Ibi, there's something bigger than the things you are looking for. Look, Kedar, there's something bigger than the things you're looking for. So God starts a conversation with you. And all of a sudden, the conversation moves from uh, your singular pursuit, your life pursuit to what God is actually looking for. So scripture now says that Abraham got to a place where he's faced with his biggest test. The offering of Isaac as a sacrifice. You know what made this harder for Abraham? Was that neighboring cultures, communities, nations used to offer sacrifices to their gods. He can see how um, um, dark the sacrifices of children were. He can see the pain and all of these things were used to raise the value of the sacrifice he was to offer to God. You don't understand what I've just said to you. So I'm going somewhere where I'm going to start speaking about the giving of all eventually. But you see why the giving of all is very hard? It's because around you, you have seen people who don't have. So you know what the state of not having looks like. But the reason why God exposed you to that was so that the value of your giving of all may be increased in order that the returns he brings to you may be of greater value. But let me not go ahead of myself. So it says, sacrifice the son, go on. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. His one, do you see the emphasis on this being his all? His one and only son. So how did Abraham gather the ability to give off everything? To give over his life. It was not his own strength. It was how he reckoned God to be. He was familiar with God's ways. Abraham, the man who had jumped from Abraham, from COD to Abraham, wealth nation, had now become familiar of God's ways. And it was going to be in the midst of observing how dark it is to sacrifice a child. He was going to bank on his familiar relationship with God. He had grown to know, he had grown to reason on how God works. Read the scripture for me, sir. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Yeah. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Look at verse 19, my main point. Go on. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. He was familiar that God can raise the dead. He had walked with God long enough that he knew that it's not impossible for God to raise the dead. So how would you give the giving of all? This is still me going ahead of myself. You will have become familiar with God's ways. How? Through the conversations he's been having with you. So every time you hear PT constantly referring to 17 years. And in that story you will hear him 
diligently holding money in his pocket to pay for a TV show, but he will walk from Tainsmead to that place. He's trying to give you conversations, faith, so that when the great demand on your life comes, you would see, yes, everything that would try to discourage you, but it's actually to increase the value of your sacrifice, but you will have the ability because you are now familiar with the way he works. I am sure that God is able to raise us. That's why we keep giving all. That's why we keep doing more than what we should be doing. I ask you please to consider how old we are and the things that we are doing. Where would you see that? It's only because of the glory, the reward set, the crown set ahead of us that we are able to endure. You know, when we read that scripture, we thought it's a vision you see in your mind. No, it says for the glory set ahead, the crown set ahead, there was a story ahead of you. There's a leader ahead of you. As you observe how they got through it, you will be able to endure that same road because you saw how they came out of it. Did you hear what I've just said to you? Carry on reading. Go on, sir. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. He did receive Isaac back from death. So let me go into the conversation that I started yesterday and get us to a place where we fully understand what God is saying. I believe that we need to be on the same page. So I started off yesterday saying that there is one main conversation of God. And that is the conversation of nations. I went on to say, what is the gospel? That in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Look at every conversation with a prophet and all the conversations through to the son, Jesus Christ. It was always about kingdoms and nations. God didn't care about someone's specific household. The conversation that God was keeping up was going to be the conversation of the nations. When you look at Abraham, not Abraham, sorry, Adam. Adam was given a, manda a mandate, the mandate of dominion. He was taught, programmed to think domination of nations. You forget uh, that scripture will be small if you forget the things that this conversation, the nation family has taught you before. Things like Adam and Eve were not the only human beings at that time. Do you remember when PT taught us that? So God separated these two and said, your whole life is to the domination of all things. He says, expand this nation, Eden. He says, grow out, dominate replenish you have to ask yourself when you hear those mandates unless there were other people existing in that time what are you dominating over what are you replenishing you know to replenish means that something's probably bad and you have to re-clean it or just paraphrase it you have to replenish it so he was speaking to a people that he had separated in the midst of people who had lost their way God was going to look at them. So Adam would be as powerful as the conversation that he kept himself in. The problem is, is that when God kept, on, kept up one line of conversation, situations, um, um, I said, I was talking to Pastor Ashley, showing her something. And I said, look, there are some people that I love. 
that I cannot trust, not because of them, but because of who has access to them. I said this, people I've told for years, end this relationship. Why do you think I care about if I know this guy or not? End this relationship. It's holding you back. But this person wants to be doing big mommy holding a relationship. I'm like, think it's fine. Stay where you are. You stay where you have to be. We will hug each other, laugh and all of these things. But you, when it comes to the line of God's work, it's not even me. You are denying yourself. Because I know who. Who? Who do I know? But with saying that, Adam will be as powerful as the conversation that he has reverence to hold. The problem is, is that Eve came with a different conversation. Here's the difference. Here's the problem. The conversation wasn't too far from the conversation Adam was having with God. In fact, the conversation almost starts like the conversation with God. You see why you have to have leadership that's finicky with the word because they are able to say, Pastor Obi, no, this is not the conversation. It sounds like it, but it's not. Because your power is hidden, embedded in the conversation that you can keep up. This is not people of good moral standing or good behavior. It's conversation. So let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's start with Deuteronomy again. It's the conversation that God is having with us. So look at this. Someone, um, someone assumes leadership, for example. Let me not use that as an example. Um, let me use a typical one, easy. Let me use me as an example so it's safe. Situations can come to me and say, okay, you need to start the conversation of business. It sounds right. It looks right. But you see, the moment I step into the conversation of business, I lose the power. Is business bad? No. Is someone else having that conversation? Yes. Is it the conversation that God wants to have with them? Yes. Is it the conversation God wants to have with you? No. I'm trying to say to you that most people stumble into another person's conversation and they try, they sweat, they labor, and they're hoping that there will be results, but there's none because they have despised their conversation. Someone's conversation was helping. Someone's conversation was mobilizing. Someone's conversation was, look, this is Pastor Obi, but you are helping him, for example. But they want to be this because in their heart, there's an aspiration that there's meant to be more. I'm thinking, since when do you start looking into another conversation than the one you're hearing? God is speaking to us. So in this early part of the year, what you need to be asking God is, what is my conversation? My conversation may not be popular to other people. But it is my conversation, if I can keep that up. My conversation is the conversation of the son. The imitation of the father. 
keep that up. So PT for years, I've been telling you I have an album of all the words he's spoken to me. And in that word, you see on Periscope, PT saying, I know this person's core like mine. Pastor Obi's core to be a pastor as I am. I know him. So that's the conversation. So when he started off and said, Pastor Obi, Pastor COD, that was it. Speak. You know, in the... Um, the process of me speaking over the years, were there not times that I was discouraged? There were. There were times that I thought, what is this doing? But if I'm going to be powerful, it's keeping up that conversation. A conversation can be, Tony, you're cooking. You know, the problem is, if you despise your conversation because it looks like someone's conversation is more advanced, you lose your power because you do not believe that that conversation is carrying you somewhere. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Are you still on with me? Let me know who's on. I'll take my time with all of this. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Let me know if you're on with me. Let's, let's get into this. So... I was saying, and I've, I've, I've made sure I've put this in my notes. So when PT was speaking about souls and talking about bringing out of the man the quantifiable part, you know, the Bible actually said to us that God created man. The frame of man was laying down. He was, like PT said to us last night, around him was everything prosperity four rivers gold in his backyard the the full access to everything he would not need to work for resources it was already around him but as far as he is dead he cannot make use of them and god actually said that you see the situation here at hand is that if you're going to take the world you must be able, the world must be able to see, measure the quantifiable part. So it's at this point that we say to ourselves, it's more, we cannot just say, oh, we're followers or we hold hands, we hug. No, God now needs to be able to see the results of your followership. He has to be able to see it. And guess what, um, what happened with Adam? So God saw him. He was a man. He existed. You remember what PT said, that you have to know that he was a full man. Because the Bible says he breathed, he, he, um, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and he became. If he, can only have been, he can only become if he was something. So you see what we see in scripture there was a man who existed but could not make use of anything that God had given him. What changes that situation? What is God doing with us? Why is it years after years that Paris can send me videos of us in different places doing the same thing? Word is what transition you from the man around prosperity but cannot make use of it into the man that can now show his quantifiable part, can make use of everything that God has put around him. The transition between that is the breathing of the breath of life. No, you don't understand that. It, the breath of life was not God coming to the body of Adam and breathing. The breath of life was the word. He spoke the word to Adam. Do you understand that yet? 
okay, I don't think you do, so I'll help you. I said, today we'll break it down. The reason why the word of the, the word of God was referred to as the breath of life is because you need air as your dependent to live. If you're cut off of air, you will die. So in other words, the Adam before the breath of life was an Adam that can function with the word not being his sole dependence to live. Let me repeat myself. Are you still on with me? Don't mind me. I'll be doing this a lot because I need you to take notes and hear this. You are still the Adam that is laying down if the word has not become your sole dependence. You see, as grand as we are, yeah, doesn't matter how much money, how much you have 10K more followers by yourself, right? Doesn't matter how much you have. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Guess what? If I rob you of oxygen, you'll die. Meaning that oxygen is your main thing you're depending on. God likens, if you're going to see your quantifiable part, he says that the word must be like such. It must be what you solely depend on. You know, most people depend on the person they're connected to. God says you will never be able to show your quantifiable part. Some people rely on their talent or their beauty or their body or their skills or their trade or their wittiness. But God says that person is still the Adam that is around is. Um, around everything that will prosper them but cannot make use of it because the word of God must be like the breath of life. It must be what you solely depend on. Wealth Nation, are you listening to me? Lauren, the word of God must be like if that is robbed of you, you die. Until it becomes that, you cannot prosper. You will be doing church, rendering a service or worship to God and you don't see the results. Hence why, you see, when I'm saying to Pastor Ashley, I use her as the example, as the person closest to me. I was like, you cannot depend on me. If you are going to show your quantifiable part, the word must be as if, if you're robbed of it, you're going to die. So the work that God has been doing with us in the COD stage, yeah, was making the word our sole dependence. That's why there were times when we should be working, we're preaching, we're in the word. It's like the word is in your face all the time. I remember there's a day that I did word in the morning, word in the night. Do you understand? It's just constant word. Why? Because God is doing a work until Adam, this word becomes your sole dependence for life. You will not be able to show your quantifiable part. Made by God, but cannot show the results of God. So, God was looking at me saying, yes, you're dancing around religion. You're even dancing around the nation family, but you still depend on many different things. Until that word, you see why I'm repeating these things? Until that word becomes your sole dependence, nothing is going to change in your life. Are you hearing me? Nothing is going to change. It cannot be because you think you've got business contacts and the ability to get the investor's heart to give you money. If that is your dependence, you're going to be cut off. You will never. So that's why you will see no end product in those things. Well, let me step back and go back to Deuteronomy chapter 9. 
Hear Israel, go on. You are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you mm -hmm. with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall. Anakite. Let's stop there. So you remember I, yesterday I started off saying that the conversation that God is having with us, the most important conversation in our nations, the conversation of nations. And God takes an Israel one day. Let me get the scripture on screen. He takes an Israel one day and he says, look, you are now about to cross the Jordan. I said to you and PT said to us that we're moving into a realm. A realm is a jurisdiction, it's a space. We're moving there. You are now about to cross over to dispossess wealth nation. Did you hear what I've just said to you? You're about to enter the place that God has predestined for you to dispossess. But look at what he says. But when you go there, the people that occupy that space, they are greater. They are stronger than you. They have large cities. Their wars reach up to the sky. You know, we hear all of these things. And this is why I said that, you know, I said to you before, God knew that the word is the most valuable thing. The scripture said that all things was made through the word. If anyone wants to have supreme sovereign power, let them take possession of the word. For you to operate as God, you must have the most valuable thing, the word. I'm going to tell you something that is quite interesting later when we get to the partnership side. God actually says, so why I said that was, remember I said to you, so God knew that he needed to communicate to a Sean at a time. But he knew that between in sending his message to him, there may be people that would intercept that message. He planned. He knew. But you see, remember what I've just said to you. If you want to be powerful, receive the most valuable thing. So men will try to intercept that message because they know that that will make them powerful. So guess what made Satan powerful? The word he intercepted from man. You didn't hear me, did you? What made Satan powerful? The word he was able to intercept. You see the only thing though. The closed book, the closed word is still powerful enough to raise a nation. Are you hearing me? So there were nations that were able to create legal systems from the Bible. Nations that were able to create schools from the Bible. It was powerful enough, even though closed, to raise a nation. It's just that the full manifestation of that power is in its revelation. That's why Peter was strong. That's why Peter was the only person that they says that, you see, there will be no gates to stop you. Every other thing can be stopped. But what you have is the revealed counsel of God. The revealed conversation of God. So God, knowing that, in his attempt to bring a message through to an IB, through to an Akin, through to a Sean, he knew that there will be people along the way that will, that will um, intercept the message. So he speaks it in a way that only an IB will fully understand what's being said. You know, I thought about 
the use of whisper. It was Anna that kind of triggered this thought. She keeps saying that I don't shout. I just um, speak with a loud whisper. But you know, do you know where whispers are usually done? You don't whisper when it's just you and a person by yourself. You can talk as loud as you want. You usually whisper if there's someone there that you don't want them to hear. God one day called um, Elijah to a mountain and revealed himself as a gentle whisper. What I'm saying to you, Elijah, not everyone can hear. So the counsel that God is revealing to us, sorry, is a counsel made to empower you. So this is where I have to then say these things. So we get the revelation of the word and then we realize, so you could put the scripture back. Then we realize all these talks about towers that reach the sky. Do you know what great calamity must come for a tower like the Tower of Babel, yeah, that was reaching the sky to fall? And there's no, um, there's no evidence of remains that it ever existed. There's no remains to show that it existed. What I'm trying to say to you is that to the carnal man reading it, they're going to think of a tower that really reached the sky. But God was trying to communicate something different. Just like he said that these have large cities with walls up to the sky. Have you seen a nation where there's walls up to the sky? Like in this modern day, yeah, you feel like you're trapped. <laughs> what they were talking about here was the defenses of that city that had acquired wealth. Verse 2, it says the people are strong and tall. Anakites, go on. You know about them and have heard it said. Who can stand up against the Anakites? This nation of people had become so powerful that people started to evangelize them. People who had not yet come across them will speak. Who can stand against these people? And previously, when the book was closed to me, I thought the Anakites were giants. The problem is, is that till this day, there, there are no remains to give evidence that there were ever giants. No, no evidence that there were giants, physical giants. No evidence. Then we find out what the meaning of Anak means. Like I was saying to you yesterday. Anak, I didn't have the time to go into it, was mistranslated as long necks. But that makes no sense. Yeah, for a whole nation to be defined by having long necks. <laughs> Makes no sense. The proper translation is necklace, jewelry. And I said that when you get jewelry, it beautifies the one holding it, the one wearing it. In fact, its specific duty or purpose is to create more of an attraction to the person. So where I couldn't wear a plain t-shirt without jewelry, you realize that someone can wear a plain t-shirt with jewelry and it just looks good. It attracts you to the person. So people who had seen this great nation gave a name that alludes to their wealth. 
that implies their wealth. So they were not called strong and big giants by structural size. They were called big and strong according to the wealth they had. Now here's the issue. God did not have a problem with wealth. The problem God had here was that there's an arrangement with wealth. This is where I speak to wealth nation. You see the problem with wealth. It's definitely, you know, I said to you that salvation is all accommodating. But you see, when it comes to wealth, wealth is a trusting matter. Quickly, let's go to the chapter before, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's remember this scripture because it's going to be key for us this year. You know where I'm going, right? Go on. But remember the Lord your God. Look at what God started to say to a nation. Um, you know, I read the scripture and God actually ministered to me. Yeah. PT said the other day. Yeah. I, this is why I said take notes and please have time. I might actually do breaks. <laughs> I might have to. You know, PT said that the Bible is only the recording of what works. So you see Genesis 1, yeah, that was the world that worked. There was at least six attempts before that Genesis 1. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you with this? When God says here, um, rem but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you ability to produce wealth. God ministered to me that he said this to every nation he raised. Every single nation that seems to have wealth. He said this to Russia. He said this to China. He said this to generations throughout the world. He says, but you remember the Lord, it is he who gives you wealth. So the issue, let's finish this scripture before I take you back to Deuteronomy. Go on. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Yeah. And so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. He gave wealth because of a conversation he was already having with their ancestors. It's a generational conversation. So that's why, if you remember 2020, I spoke to you about family in service of a generation. And around that time, I, either that word or another word, I started to say that there's been one life. John 1 told us that there was one life. Your parents tried to give you alternative lives, but there's been one life. If you enter that life, you will see prosperity. It's been one conversation from the beginning. It started with Abraham and it became a lineage. That's why you see the genealogy of Christ. It's so that you can see the conversation that started and continued. And you see the effects of those who were in line with that conversation. So what am I trying to show you here? God actually ministered that he had this arrangement. So a nation is poor. A nation does not have. And their lack, their, their state of death attracts God. Do you see why the Bible says, or there's constantly that talk of you must be dead. You know, you must be dead. That's your sacrifice. You must be dead to this world. It attracts God. Death attracts God. That's why he's still a servant. As much as an enemy, he's still a servant to God. When you're in a dead state, God says, I need to give him life. So nations were in a dead state, alive, but not able to make use of the prosperity they have. When you look at Africa, you see a dead continent. 
existing, but not knowing that the gold that is in their coast should be used for them. They're not enlightened. They have not made an arrangement, an agreement with God. So every nation you've seen that has grown powerful, guess what? At some point, they made an arrangement with God. But the arrangement was, you must remember that it is your Lord. When you start to see the prosperity, remember that it's the Lord, your God, that gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant. I give you wealth for a reason. To establish an agreement. So I said yesterday that Christ was alone to the world. How do you know he was alone? The, the, before being sent out, there's an agreement that he will return. Christ was given. The Bible says, for the word that comes out of my mouth will not return to me void. It will not return to me empty. The word that I'm issuing out of my mouth is so that there can be interest returned back to me. But you see, when a loan company gives you money, they benefit because the agreement is that you will be able to pay them more back. But it's not a one-way thing because you will be in a better position or if you treat that loan properly, you should be in a better position. If someone says, oh, borrow me this, lend me this so that I can execute this, you would have helped them execute something that should have strengthened them, then you return what is due. So God gave Christ as a loan. So go back to Deuteronomy chapter 9. The Bible says, go on, read for me. It says, um, you know about them and have heard it said, who can stand against the Anakites? So I was saying to you that the nations surrounding the Anakites gave the Anakites a name that alludes to their wealth, that speaks of their wealth. They, they, it's like me seeing um, um, the influence of Pastor Dami, and I say, you're now called Pastor Dami. You're called um, Miss Influence. I'm naming you to what you are. Do you understand that? Now, the issue is God has no issue with wealth because he's the one that gives it. There's nobody can give you wealth. It's God's. It is God. He, he still says to this day, even though finances and riches are in the hand of the wicked, he still calls it his. Somehow it comes from him. So here's the issue. The issue is not wealth. The issue is the account we set up. There was an agreement. For my return. But the problem is, you are unable to satisfy me or satisfy that account or settle that account. You know, there was a time out of immaturity that you take out loans and then crash it. But the goal for every loan was that you're going to return. And it should have done the work it needs to do with you. So the issue that God had was that, you remember I said that the annex means necklace. And the sole purpose for jewelry is to attract. And I said yesterday that the reason why God needs to beautify a basola is because that's an arrangement that God makes with a basola as she's having remaining in a conversation of followership with, leader, with a leader. God makes an arrangement because he can trust her based on her followership saying, okay, I'll give you wealth. I'll give you jewelry. I'll give you necklace, the things that attract people. But the arrangement is when people are attracted to you, 
They must be attracted. That attraction should be diverted back to me. So what is the interest when God says that my word should not return to me void? What was the interest he was looking for? Souls. So people look at a Pastor Obi driving a 10,000 a month car and some people start to complain, but you're a home bug. If it was the world, they would take that car everywhere. But I can't take it anywhere. Do you know why? Because I am jewelry for Pastor Toby. The only reason why we are to have. So sometimes I'm saying to the guys around me, I know you think that me having means that you need to start having clothes. Understand the time. It doesn't mean that. I only have because I'm meant to be decoration to the message. Because God will only continue wealth if he knows that the attraction that you gain is going to be directed back to the message. So the problem was that when God gave wealth to the Anakites, rather than directing people to God, they directed them to their own cities. It was back to them. So you see influencers, people who consider themselves gods. So you see these influencers. When you see a Jay-Z, um, a, a celebrity like Jay-Z, he's considered like a giant. Who can come up against him? The issue is, God says, if you can't settle my account, don't worry. I will open a new account for somebody. So go back to Deuteronomy. Let's keep reading. But be assured, verse 3. But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you yeah. like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will, de he will subdue them before you. And you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord So again, you can imagine how much things I couldn't say yesterday. And that's why I said I'm going to break things down. You know, if you check scripture, whenever you hear God, God said specifically so that you know it was a wealth matter. God said, but be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like. What is God saying? I I'm taking a form. When he says, I go like this, he's telling you the form he's going to take. Do you know what the form he said he's taken? A devouring fire. Check scripture. Whenever you see God being referred to as devouring something, it's usually him devouring wealth. So when he moved like that, he was like, I'm going to destroy the economy. And that's how you're going to take over. So look. In the United Kingdom, COVID hit, devouring the economy of the United Kingdom. But then in the United Kingdom was a small nation that others would have said, who can stand, how can this small nation, nation family, stand against the economy of the United Kingdom? But you see in that same time, as things were plummeting for them, we started growing more powerful. We have seen the greatest financial upturn since COVID came. But the world is in debt. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? So God says, I will go ahead of you. The reason why you can't die of COVID is because it's a form that God took. COVID is unstoppable. It's in the air. You cannot trace it. You cannot touch it. You don't even know that it's, it's omnipotent, omnipresence. It's a form that God took to devour their wealth, but to lift you. 
That's why you can't die because there's a mark on you that you shall not die. It was the angel of death passing. You shall not die because you are his. So that's why when COVID comes, we just sweat it out. <laughs> because it's God moving. You have to bear with me because I'm going to say some things that are religious. It will sound mad. You're saying God is COVID. I'm saying it's a form he took. So the Bible actually says to us, be assured he will go. He, he is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. Devouring fire is a problem. He says, so he's actually saying, you're going to see fire. You're going to see problems. But he says, be assured that is me. So that's why I'm saying that COVID is his form. It says, you're seeing it, it's destroying, and you think, ah, this is the devil. He said, uh-uh. If it was the devil, your prayers would have stopped him. It says that this is me. Be assured that it is me. But he's doing it to destroy them. He will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly, as the Lord has promised. Verse 4. After the Lord your God has driven them out. Are you still with me? Verse 4. After the Lord your God has driven them out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. Now, this is important to take note of. Now, God says, now as I begin to give you nations, do not think, do not say to yourself that God is giving you these nations. You are displacing nations. You're dispossessing, dispossessing nations because of your, your righteousness. Do not say it's because of your good behavior. Do not say it's, I couldn't go to it, but we probably won't go there, so I'll say it now. Because he says, later God goes on to say, because you're still a stiff-necked people. You also are stubborn people. <laughs> Imagine that. He says, you're stubborn. So, it, meaning that there's nothing that any man can do to please God. There's nothing other than faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. You by yourself, if you try to keep placing a demand on your good behavior, you will never. So you see religion. Religion couldn't give you a message, a conversation powerful enough to empower you. So they started to say things like, don't fornicate, don't steal, don't gossip, don't think. And you see, those things will be done away with. Uh, don't... Don't think, religious people don't think. They say it all the time that um, going into a mosque, yeah, um, the, the Muslims will leave their shoes outside. The Christians will leave their mind outside. It's true. Someone shakes and thinks everything changes. And Yutunde shook and shook her way out of the place. She will come back, though, because that shake will come all the way around and she will need the help again. I shouldn't be saying things like this, should I? Allow me to do this in my days. There'll be a day of maturity for me. We're maturing. <laughs> oh, we wasted so much time, you know. <laughs> ah. I wasted so much time. Oh, it's unbelievable. Where was I even? Show me the scripture, please. Yeah, so God says it's not your righteousness. It's not your standing. You by yourself, you cannot do it. But do you know what makes you able to take nations? The conversation. The conversation you're hearing is what God says he will use to allow you to take nations. 
your conversation is the most powerful thing, guys. If you can find a conversation and stay there, if as Tom were, your conversation is better, it's just following the word now. If you stay there, if you can be, if you can learn the secret, Paul later speaks of this. He learned the secret, the art, the mystery of being content. If you can be content with that, you'll be the most powerful. Let's actually do a spin-off. Judges chapter six. Let's look at Gideon, a coward. Gideon was a flipping coward. Chapter 6, verse 1. Go on. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Mm. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites... Do you understand that? The, there was a people that became powerful. They became the city. The people that had avoided God, they became the, those poor in the city. So they became the villagers, the, the people dwelling in rural areas. Do you understand that? Yeah? Go on. Whenever the Israelites... Meaning that the blessings of God maketh someone rich. It makes someone prosper. He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. That was... God said, if there's any desire, he says, above all things is that you prosper. So when the people, what is the mark of, um, what does poverty prove? Disobedience. Poverty simply proves disobedience. So look, we're getting to a place that we'll be able to look at each business and businesses, God forbid, it won't happen. But if a business says I didn't meet target, we'll say, mm, okay. So then a, a, a skilled, trained leader in the house will be able to look, not because they're trying to be nosy, but they'll be able to say something's not right here. Because the blessings of God is not a fluke. It will make you rich. Carry on reading for me. Go on. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. They devoured as a result of, you remember the Bible started off, verse 1 started off, the Israelites did evil in their sight. So God didn't first kill them. He devours whatever is their economy. Their economy comes to a standstill. They get to a place where they sow, but they don't see the results. They're asking why. There's something that they, either out of ignorance or deliberately, they are disobeying God. And until they meet that situation, until they deal with that situation, nothing is going to change. That's why I said yesterday, it's not your business that prospers you, it's your conversation. Some people left the conversation of nations that God is trying to have with them for sin. The sin conversation was too enticing. So the conversation of um, um, sin starts with lust. Then it's the act then the graduation of that is guilt. Even after you've done it and you're trying, the conversation stays in your heart. You're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. You're carrying on that conversation until you get yourself back into the conversation of God. That's the only way out of it. But carry on reading. Let's see this. Go on. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza yeah. and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. <laughs> Midian so impoverished the Israelites 
that they cried out to the Lord for help. So let me tell you how God disciplines, because again, this is really going to be interesting. If you want to know what God is saying, you have to look back. That's why you hear things like you will get to a place and you will hear a voice behind you. Look back. He has spoken. Hebrews 1 says that the son has spoken. So you have to go back and refer to it. So imagine God's mercy was discipline. Do you know why? Because in their poverty, they will cry back to God. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Look at what verse 7 goes on to say. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who, who said. Now, look at the situation here. When they cried out, the Bible says God now sent them a prophet. The one that marks conversation was no longer in the midst of them. They had longed abandoned. So what caused the Israelites to do evil in the eyes of the Lord? They had long abandoned the conversation. The conversation was no longer within them. So God has to discipline them because they're his son. Israel's my firstborn, he said. Yeah. So he disciplines them. He calls his servant Midian. He says, devour everything and you'll be successful in it. Because remember, Israel was God's child. Israel was God's family. So there should not be another person, a foreign nation that should be able to overthrow them unless it is God inspiring it. So God sends a servant, destroy everything. They will cry back to me. And by them looking to me again, I can restart my conversation. So the prophet was the marker of the conversation that God was keeping up with Israel. So Israel was not prospering because they had business. They were, um, um, they were, business, um, they were inclined to business. They had business acumen. It wasn't because of that. Because if that was the case, they should have picked, they should have raised their economy again. It was the conversation that prospered them. So when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent back to them the, the marker of their conversation. Who said, this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Go on. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians yeah. and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So what was the cause for their poverty and their calamity? They did. When this conversation stops sometimes, when you stop listening to it, Something else comes in your life and you give it, it's your you give it your attention. So I was speaking to the office the other day that paying attention is the key to profit. You have to do everything, you know. So sometimes you could just feel like this is taking me and you have to stop it in order to get your attention back in the word. You have not listened to me. So look at this. You know, God had to restart the conversation. And he tells them the problem. You notice whenever God speaks, he talks about ancestors. He always says, I'm the God of Israel. I'm the God of your fathers. He is almost like he does a history lesson. 
before he tells you what he needs to say. Because he's trying to tell you that this conversation has been going on. This is why you need to stay with it. It's not new to you. If you want to prosper, if you want to see the God that delivered your ancestors from the great Egypt, join the conversation. So now look at this. Once he said that, I used to think, oh, that's dramatic. So they cried for help and you just came back to say you didn't listen to me. But then if God ever wants to do a move, he sends a man. So look at verse 11. Go on. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. You know, Tomo has this habit, yeah? When I'm sitting down, she likes to stand. And I hate it. You know, it's like, it, for me, it's like she's trying to oppress me. It's like looking down on me. No, but that's just a joke. But you see the problem with someone standing, yeah, is that more time it implies that they're not going to remain here for a while. If you want to have a conversation, you sit down. If you're trying to imply that you're not going to be here or you're in a hurry, you'll stand up. So, you know, anyone that knows Tom, like she stands because she's like, I'm not, I'm not going to be here for long. I'm just going to go upstairs. <laughs> So look at what the angel, God restoring conversation. The angel of the Lord came and sat. He was not in a hurry. He was going to start a conversation. So he sat down under the oak in Ophrah. Yeah. That belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. He sat where? His son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Look at what he says to him. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Listen, Gideon, let's not say it's because of the Bible. Gideon was a coward. He was a shookhead. He's the kind of guy that runs and leaves you. He calls you a friend, but he runs and leaves you. How do you know that? Even when God was saying, okay, you're strong, you're strong, you're strong, you're strong. He kept saying, please, well, how, how? He was a shookhead. He was the kind of guy that talks tomorrow like he was there, but he was never there. I was reading the scripture and thinking, this guy's a shookhead. He selfishly went and hid and started freshing. His whole people are struggling. He's freshing for himself. Mad man. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Look at what he says in response. Go on. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, yeah. but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Mm. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Mm. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Look at this scripture before we go back to where we were. God commissions a shookhead. I'm, I'm on Gideon right now. He commissions a shookhead saying that you're going to lead the military expedition for the salvation and the emancipation of your people. Yeah? Now, here's what's interesting. He's complaining because logically, it makes no sense. If he had the power to save his people, he would not be hiding. If he had the courage to save his people, he would not be hiding. So this angel pops out of nowhere and says, you're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty warrior. 
And he says, you're going to free your people. And he brings this complaint before God and he says, look, I'm not able. And the, the Lord, you see, the angel was speaking, but then the Lord, the one, please, you connect this with me. The, remember, he says, you remember the Lord, your God. For it is he that gives you strength. The angel could not give him strength. It had to be the Lord. So the Bible says the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. Now, look, Gideon, for a man that needed to go and fight a war, what would strength be? Gideon had not yet mustered an army. He had not yet gathered an army. For someone that's going to fight a war, strength will be an army. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you still on with me? Let me see the comments. <laughs> I started laughing because the first name I saw here was Gideon. <laughs> Sorry, it's not you, Shukhead. <laughs> One day, hey, Winnie dealt with him. He was shook. <laughs> Smashed up his laptop. Ah, oh. So I'm just teasing. Don't mind me. I, I don't mind me. I tease people who I think can potentially take it. But what would have been strength? <laughs> you know, Akita's concentration face is so funny, you know. What would have been strength for Gideon? An army. If I had an army, if God says go and deliver... Deliver your people. And he says, look, you've got 30,000 people backing you. You have confidence, right? That's your strength. Or if you had, let's say, artillery. If you had um, resources, guns, all of these things. Um, spears maybe in that time or arrows or darts or whatever it was. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. It's making it hard for me. Do you know what I hate when I smile? My face is wide. <laughs> so to get it back to restrain is difficult. It's like the angels are just holding it like this. <laughs> I have you don't stop, please. I think break time is, is coming. No, seriously. It, it, these things would have been logically strength. So, but at this time of this conversation... He didn't have an army. He had not mustered an army. He had not had, there was, no, um, there was no highlight here to suggest that he had any artillery. So what was the strength of Gideon? The conversation that God restored to the Israelites. Do you understand that? Where conversation came, how do you know that God is with you? Is that he's having a conversation with you. So he starts off saying the Lord is with you. That's what makes you a mighty warrior. He says, go in the strength you have. And Gideon had not yet caught up with it, but God was trying to say to him, the fact that I'm having this conversation of the displacement of nations to you is what makes you powerful. I, I've been saying this to my brothers, yeah? Pastor Ben and Pastor Enrique, yeah? I had a brief conversation with Pierre the other day, and I've been saying this to some people in the house. More than ever, I know that God is doing a work here. I said specifically in our chat to the brothers, I said to them, in all the years that I've done ministry, I have never felt like this. 
I know it. I can bet my whole life, family, and everything that's dear to me, I can bet it all to tell you that we are at a moment where it's a sure banker. You are, Wealth Nation, the future of all that you see right now. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 9. So I was trying to relate this yesterday, and I was saying that, so what changed for me? 2015, I came to a service. I didn't know the hierarchy. I didn't know a PSAM. I didn't know even the ushers. I didn't know anyone. And because of that, the more you're not into the church, the further back you sit, right? So I was at the back of the church, and that was fine. We was actively doing radical soldiers. Them times we thought we were all prophets, you know. We thought we were powerful because we can see, but we can see with shoes that people are laughing, but we couldn't see that people are laughing. There's one terrible picture of myself. Um, it's the worst picture. The worst picture. Me, Pastor Enrique, Pastor David, Pastor Francis. I can't remember if Pastor Ben was there. But we had done it all night. And then I think p Rex had a, um, um, an event in some white garment church. <laughs> hey, Rex, do you remember that? Hey, he had to go and preach in a white garment church. I was like, oh, God, these women are going to, they're going to say, Holy Mary, Holy Mary. <laughs> and they're going to come and collect this guy. Oh, it's Holy Michael, sorry. They're going to come and collect this guy. This guy, <laughs> do you remember? So we had one picture, but because we were all tired, yeah, we all looked like some old men, just like old boys band. I don't even know why I brought that up. But the thing is, we did we made every effort. I think that's my emphasis. We did everything. There was not a person we didn't prophesy to. There was not an event we didn't want to go to. We didn't get invited to. We went all over the nations. I told you, and I was telling people, before we did the uni tours, a whole year before that, we went to Leicester. A Davina invited us to Leicester. Um, a Davina, you may not know her. She invited us to Leicester. Birmingham, a um, Christian group called Gift, invited us to the same building that a year later will do the great takeover. You understand? A Coventry, Pastor Ben was leading a um, campus ministry at that time. Do you understand? And he invited me. He was preaching and then he told me, I'll come and minister. You see that ministering thing? Yeah, it's a big deceit, I'm telling you. But we did, what I'm realizing is that we tried. And after that, there was absolutely no payment. When did results start coming? It did not even take a year of joining the nation before we started having houses, before we started being open to things, because the issue is not your effort. This is what I'm trying to emphasize. It's not your effort. That's why he says, do not say that you displace nations based on your righteousness. It is based on your conversation. And successfully, God was able to bring us into the conversation that prospers us. From 2015, God was able to bring us into a conversation. We did not join there, but you see that conversation caused wrecked havoc in our old churches. The moment we heard PT and we knew that, and God divine, you know God, yeah, divinely sets up things. Our old church functioned from on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And God says, I need to save you guys. So I'm going to make a PT do services on Thursday. If you know the church system, it is normal for service to be Wednesday and Friday. Thursday is actually odd. So God says, I need you guys to be safe. 
saved. So I'm going to give you the ability to go to where word is. And the moment we heard the word, it crashed absolutely everything. All kinds of problems was God took us through all kinds of circumstances, situations, only to bring us to the conversation that will prosper you. So let's finish off with Deuteronomy and I'll take you to Psalm. So I was saying yesterday that in 2015, a conversation happened. And before that time, I was rendering my services hoping that God will pay me. I was hoping that one day I will see more. Do you understand? One day I will have, we will have um, a big church, even though we wasn't thinking like that, but we was thinking that we'll have impact on many. But God was thinking, the, the people, did you see the people you had? I don't want to use names. Did you see the people you had? If you can buy them, would you buy them? Would you buy them? People, no, let, let me leave it. But you, you saw it. You, some of you guys are laughing at the people now, and you can, you can, you can, you can. Would you buy them now? Do you, do you think about some of the people? Imagine Rose. I can't remember his name. Rose, yeah? Great guy. The guy's head, huge. Just following P. Ricks. Like, do you know what he reminds me of? You know them African masks? You know, the long-headed... African mask. Just following risk like uh, uh, sorry, risk. Following Ricks like like an idol. <laughs> and we thought he would lead Birmingham. You know, let me tell you why I'm saying all of this. These people are not bad. What I'm trying to say to you is that when you place a demand, you realize who's really yours. He was fine before demand. The moment demand was set on him, he couldn't go. So two weeks or however many weeks into Birmingham, we were trying with this guy. He says no. And he's like, don't worry, I've said this, I've said And then I said, um, Basola. And Basola started Birmingham from her accommodation room. You know them times, do you know what she used to have? Sticky notes. You think I've forgotten? Sticky notes on her wall. And she will have her prayers, the people that she prays for there. I won't say anything more than that. Now, you see her lead in a beauty salon, and you think it's coincidental. Did she have the capacity then? I had not seen her preach. We have not seen anything. But you see, the difference was that she allowed herself to take on the conversation and prospered thereby. And I can give examples of many people. Up to yesterday, someone's still trying to on Instagram. I think they're starting to see a bit of success, even though I'm not showing much there. And decides to message me, Happy New Year. So I saw it for a few days and I just ignored it. But yesterday, as I was preparing, I was just thinking, oh, let me try with this guy. Maybe he could come to service. This guy, this guy, good guy, drumming as well. Um, I don't know why I'm exposing people, but good guy, drumming. Good, look good in a suit. Um, God with us, Emmanuel. Um, he... At one point, one of the soldiers decided to make him a radical soldier, but he don't have the capacity to meet the demand. So Pastor Ashley said it spot on because she tried. I remember she actually tried with the guy. But you know, since then till now, what was killing him? He's always working. He couldn't trust that we decided to take a life of faith and we got better. Work that he's been doing since, he's still working. So yesterday I tried to invite him and he was like, oh, I'd love to come. What time? 
I told him seven, it's, oh, I'll still be at work. I was like, you don't, you don't, you don't understand what is happening. This work is, go, is determined to destroy you. You think I'm joking. PT, in that same word, came and said to us that death will make you work for it. Destroying a guy that has so much potential. A guy that there's clearly a call over his life. But anyway, so I said 2015, God is starting to have a conversation with us. So I said that what will make God pay us was not our effort, is if he can open an account with us. So he started a conversation with us. And in that conversation, he opened. So 2015, he opened an account for I and some of the brothers. Those that joined the nation, he opened your account. So you realize it's not that you've done anything drastically better. In fact, if you're being truthful with yourself, it's almost like you've done nothing. But things are being credited to your account. That's where I was going yesterday. So let's finish off Deuteronomy 9. Then we go to Psalm 2. Then I'll take you to other scriptures. Do you still have capacity? Should I stop? It's one of those days that I feel that PT has not laid hands in that capacity in a while. And I was saying to the house yesterday that, look, PT is not dramatic. PT has been very away from the nation for the last week. Like sitting at home watching a Pastor Sam, watching a Pastor Oni. Then he comes into service, he delivers the word, and he's not dramatic. Before you can engage with him, he's cut. Those that are sensitive will know that there's something holding PT right now and will not let him go until he accomplishes it. So this is the reason why we are spending time. If it takes till service, I hope, I don't, I don't know if I can do that, but it's us being able to take the word. Please, because I've been saying words, I've used scripture, and you see what I just said now? People have forgotten. It's not your righteousness that makes you take. What prepares you is the word. So you can't use zeal to say you're ready for service. It has to be his word still. It has to be. So let's finish this off. After the Lord your God has driven him out before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it's on account. Go on. No, it is on account of the wickedness of these nations. So it's an account issue. They couldn't settle accounts. The pre-arrangement, they could not meet. It's not on account. It's No, it's on the account of the wickedness of the, these nations, yeah? That the Lord is going to drive them out before you. Verse 5. It is not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you are going in to take possession of their land, but, but on account of the wickedness of these nations. The Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the main part of that scripture. He will drive them before you to accomplish the conversation he's been having. So that's what I'm saying. When someone asks me certain, say, oh, sir, why can I do this? I'm looking at them. I was like, I know you will make it because you're passionate about this conversation. You don't even fully understand it, but your, your heart is knitted to a conversation that's able to make you powerful. Let's go to Psalm 2, New King James from verse 1. So you understand that the conversation that God is having 
is what opens your account. You understand that? Now, what makes you powerful is the crediting of that account. But let's still look from a different perspective, our nation's scripture, as to why God is doing what he's doing. First one. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? What do they plot? They're plotting to crash God. They're plotting to use God. So you now know why scriptures like Malachi, when, says, when God says, uh, why are you robbing me? You remember when God says robbing me? He's, I've invested in you. I'm expecting for my return and you're not giving it to me. Remember what the return is. You're not going to make money and give it back to God. It's the souls. God has credited to a basola 10K of people following. So are you going to redirect that back to God? Because when you bring returns, he is more inclined to give you a bigger credit. When you meet your loan repayment, he, you'll be qualified to get better. So I'm saying with 10K, are you going to sit on that? If I say now, push as a brand ambassador, do whatever you can to draw people so you realize you cannot hide being a pastor because that's your transitioning. That's where even if you can't bring the whole 10K following, it's the fact that what made her prosper and look wealthy, it's not actually her skill. At the back of it, she's a pastor. That's you rendering back your services that you owe God. So God says that what the nations are planning, they are plotting in vain, meaning that it will come to nothing. They think they're doing me much harm, but I will set myself like a devouring fire, eliminate their economy, and raise someone that would dispossess you because I would just start a conversation with them. Verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together mm. against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Mm. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yeah. Yet I have set my king. On my holy hill of Zion. So you remember what I showed you about verse 3 yesterday, yeah? I said that if you know financial terms, simple. What is a bond? Do you understand? It's a, it's a loan in, in simple terms. Just not to confuse it. It's a loan. It's an instrument that represents a loan. Um, a lender between, between a lender and a borrower. So God was actually saying that we have an agreement and you're trying to break it. That's fine. What would it take for me to raise another nation? I will speak to them. So he says, he, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Do you know what causes distress for someone? The loss of money. There's nothing that distresses someone more. There's no one that causes stress, yeah, than you knowing that you have to do something and nothing's working. Do you know how stressful it is when you're doing invisible capital, yeah, and you are so sure that this is meant to bring you returns, and it doesn't. You know that you see the stress that causes you, especially when you have someone like Pastor Obi, who will blow everything out of proportion. <laughs> Verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I really need to break the scripture down so that we are clear. He says, yet, 
For me to start the conversation with my king, I have to first set him in a location. Because the conversation is based on where you are. Go down to the potter's house and there I will speak to you. So if God wants to have a conversation with you, he made us go to Ireland and he made us get a Sean and he made us set Sean in the right place for him to hear the conversation. And this is the conversation he starts. I will declare the decree. Go on. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. So I was using this to share that when I heard PT speak, I didn't know him. I'm not brilliant enough to be able to predict anything. But under my breath, I was watching him and I just said, this is me. And at the close of that service, as banter, by the way, I looked at the brothers and I said, welcome to my new church. But you see, years of growing in the word, gaining spiritual maturity, I can articulate this by the word. The reason why I said this is me is because what God was starting was a conversation. And the conversation is only with his family. And he said, look, as P.T. was talking, I cannot remember the details of the conversation. But what God was speaking was Pastor Obi. Of course, I wasn't pastor then, but he was saying, you are my son. So I responded in my, with, with my mind saying, this is me because the father is just the son. The son is just the father. He says, you are my son. And today I am your father. Today I become your father. Meaning I will now father you. I will direct you. I will discipline you. I will cut you to shape. And as a result of that, you will no longer ask of your own righteousness. You know, I said that asking of me is demanding. You will no longer place or demand. So some people thought, I remember growing up in old churches and there's a system of showing seven years of righteousness, of holiness before God can ever speak to you. That's why they hated the radical soldiers so, more, so, so much. Because for, for us, we had just had children. They used to call us young fathers. Pastor Rike being the youngest of them all. They used to call us young fathers. So it made no sense that we can mobilize a people. That we can dare to preach the word. But God says, if I align you in the right conversation, you will no longer place a demand. So look... Some of you think that now this transitioning to Wealth Nation or the, the offices from the trade family office to the Wealth Nation offices to all, you think what I'm asking you to do is work harder. It's not. You're to place a demand on his word. Place a demand on his core, his anointing. So you see what happened is that there's a time that we were placing a demand on our talent. A Cleon thinks he will make music or he will gain grounds in music by placing a demand on his talent. But it doesn't work like that. A Beryl thinks that she will be able to make, um, make ground by placing a demand on her talent but you see years and years after placing a demand on her talent or on his talent or me placing a demand on what I think I'm good at I realized that it was not powerful enough to yield a result so God introduced you to a conversation where you will know your father where you will know your place in the family and he says now place a demand and if I'd planned myself better I would have bought the transcript for the 10kc that I gave to Pastor Toby back in 2018 do you know what he said to me 
He said, you have done something wiser than your brothers. He said that, and he quoted something I said to him. He said that, you said that you could have used this money to put into investment. Do you remember that year was when I said that both of us should raise 10K and we'll try and put into, a, we're going to do one business that Pastor Henry was going to help us with. <clears throat> but then God convicted me and said, give it. You remember because people like you, Basola, was involved in that giving and some others. And PT actually said in the transcript, he said that God proved that you've called me, not me, him, by raising him. Do you know what he did? My whole life now will be banked on the demand on his core. So when I say to you that I am all that I am because of who I follow, it's not nice words. PT may never hear this word I'm speaking to you. It's the truth. It's, I didn't know it, but PT articulated it to us yesterday. I took, we took a PN who walked into the nation. When she walked into the nation and started listening to the conversation, there's no regards to her righteousness. If she likes, be the best behaved or be the worst behaved. If she's in that conversation, she places a demand on the core, the credit that is on Pastor Toby. So God looked at us and he said that, so he said, you have become, and he says, now ask of me, place a demand on me and see if this demand won't yield you results. So I was saying yesterday, we were dancing around uni tours. Please don't, you know, it's, you know, the worst thing you can do is try to correct a word, you know, because especially if you don't understand it, you'll be touching a ground you shouldn't. You know all these names I'm saying? God knows my heart. I'm not despising any of them. I'm not despising even our old church. I'm not despising all our, what we would call exploits. I'm showing you them against what is now. So, <clears throat> we started to place them on and God gave us nations. So, imagine when I was saying Gideon was a coward, I was actually trying to say that we were cowards. We were trying to play it safe. And safe is relative to what really is. God is about nations. You're trying to play it safe. The church that you know, the religious church, are playing it safe. They, they cannot dare try to get souls outside of the church system. So they're trying to reshuffle souls. They're playing it safe. They're cowards. They're cowards. They're, they, they are afraid to tell somebody, if you want to go, go. Because they want to see their money to keep their work. But God actually said, look, we were dancing with uni tours. And then PT came, spoke, do you remember the city church? Started saying it shouldn't be unis, it should be cities. Then after he started to apportion, according to the conversation, nations. He says, you've never seen Europe, but Europe is what you guys are meant to take. The conversation of nations. Why would a pastor Enrique have um, grow up in Spain? Uh, in Spain, because I'm not gonna try and preach <laughs> in Spanish. <laughs> a pastor Enrique is mightily endowed with the grace of God. He's got the presence. He's got the same conversation. He will go there and preach. I'm not going to go to Switzerland and try to speak. What do you speak there? French. 
okay, maybe I'll do, um, I'll try to do the um, translation, but if I lose patience, I'll say, hey, Goldie, take this thing, man. God, you see what I just did there? You, what God is trying to say is that he pre-planned things so that in its time you see how it fits. Do you understand? Why would periods, it's so weird that Niger, of all countries, they raised you in Spain. Periods, are you on? Of all countries, they raised you, raised you in Spain and gave you a full-blown Spanish name, Enrique. No, do you know what it is? God has a work he's going to do in Spain. How do I know that God's going to shake Spain someday? Because P-Rex is it. You still won't believe me, but I've tried to use so far two hours to explain that you are empowered based on your conversation to the displacement of a nation. So Pyrrhus is hidden from there. And I'm not saying that that's all he will do, but he's hidden from there. He's hidden from sight so he can learn the conversation. He can be aligned to the family as God has set it. Yeah. And then when time is ready, we would do a work there. It might be preaching. It may be business. It may be politics. We don't know. But we, there's no way that God took a seed out of there not to return something. So God is starting a conversation and he opens an account with us he says today i've forgotten you ask of me and i will give you the nations for your inheritance so i'll actually skip some scriptures i was going to take you to um to matthew 25 maybe you go and um go to that in your own time <clears throat> but in matthew 25 in case you don't understand this whole account things the bible says that the kingdom of god is like a rich man should go and um he gave his wealth, he entrusted his wealth to servants, and he went. Okay, why am I doing this? Read it, please. Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14. Again, it will be like a man... I won't spend time explaining it, but let's just read it. Go on. Going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags, bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to one, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and, gave, and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Why was that? Why could he say come and share with your master's happiness? Because he was able to settle account with him. I'm trying to say to you, whatever you think is wealth today, there's still more to it. There's still more to it. So the issue that I've been trying to show you is that God opened account. Every nation that is powerful can only be raised by what God has in his possession. That's the word. He gave it to them at some point. Go and check your history if you think I'm being opinionated here. You'll see somewhere at the heart of many nations, you'll see somewhere the move of God. Why is Europe so powerful? 
Paul brought the gospel to this side of the world. At the heart of it, nations actually believed that their takeovers were inspired by Christ. They were powerful because of the administration of the word. And remember what I said to you in the beginning, these people were powerful even with the closed book. How much more can you do with an open revelation of God? So the wicked servant was someone that was not able to bring him a return because the settling of accounts is, I am expecting return. I don't give to you for you to just hide. I don't give to you for you to benefit alone. I expect returns. So I was saying that when I'm, when I'm saying to you that I understand why I have certain clothes or why I have to look a certain way or drive what we drive or live where we live, it's not to my brilliance. It's because as it is right now, if I'm truly in this work, I'm meant to decorate his message. And his message for our generation right now is who? PT. So I don't even have a move in me to do something else. Do you understand? We, if we really wanted to, you know we can really like enjoy if we really wanted to. If we were irresponsible, we could. But you have to be sensitive. So God, uh, the other day I messaged PT after PO preached. I messaged PT and I was like, sir, I always wonder how you feel when you sit back and you see all that is going on in the nation. And PT said some words, but the key thing he said there, I won't say it here. The key thing he says there is like, oh, it's good, this thing. But he says he knows it's good, but in his head, it doesn't mean anything. He's obsessed, and his obsession swallows everything up. And I realized something. It's there I realized something. And that's why I quoted the scripture. I quoted the scripture yesterday, but I didn't go to the scripture. Paul later gets to a place, and I'll round up this first section here. Paul gets to a place and says, do you know what he says? He says, it's not gifts I desire. It's not what can be presented to people that he actually desires. So when I was asking PTR, how do you feel about this? My immaturity was, look, there's so much to present. Isn't this your desire? In other words... Philippians chapter 4, verse 17. Look at what Paul says. Don't really take your time. Let me see who's, are you still on? I know it's a long one. Again, I think I've been saying this to some people. If, I think if you're sensitive, you know that most of the things, if not all, of the things I'm doing, I'm doing it very spirit-led. You can take it how you want it. Um, are you there? Let me know if we're on first. I want to see if we're on. If someone's just said, oh, oh, let me go and make um, um, something to eat. Philippians chapter 4. The second part is not long, don't worry. It's, it's instructions. Go on. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Do you see that? That's where I was going yesterday. All the account talks was for the crediting of the account. So if you've listened to the word charge, you would have heard me say that if you are not in the nation, God wants to open your account. But if you are in the nation, you were saying that the price has gone up, right? What God wants to do is not, he's not 
um, excited about the gifts because these are attractions. They're fine. He's happy with it. But his desire is that more can be credited to the account of Tomiwa. More can be credited to the account of Nadli. More can be credited to the, the account of Anna. What is credited to your account? The dimension of his word. So I said to you, look at those who seem like they have. Hear them speak and you realize they have in the proportion that they hear. And scripture, I showed you that scripture towards the um, latter part of the year. The scripture where it says that um, um, the more you give into study, the more will be given to you for you to be able to respond. So why can it, in this time when we get into the talk, and this is where we're shifting into now, partnership. The response that God is looking for from all of us is partnership. But partnership is not saying, I am one of however many partners. Partnership is, can you respond to the core? And this is the second part I want to get into now. This is, God wants to see if you can respond. In fact, your response will show that you are hearing. It will show that you are a partner. And someone would think, Pastor Obi is cunningly saying, oh, it's how much money you have. No, per time, you respond in the capacity that God needs you to respond at that time. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So God is looking to accredit your account. Do you have space for it? Have you taken up another conversation? Is your account running on debit? Is it in minus now? God brings us back to this conversation. What is the main conversation of the Wealth Nation family? It's not business. Don't get this wrong. It's souls. Everything. If we start saying we need to put great emphasis into business, PT said it. The person that will not be able to journey with, or the person will not, the, the word he uses, the person that will not be able to labor with will eventually labor for. So when I'm saying that some of these people, uh, Josh Wamby is going to be a good photographer. I promise you. He's, gonna, he's going to be the photographer for Basola and Afo's wedding. And I'll spray him. I'll spray him for, uh, with the live band. When the live band's playing, I'll spray him. And Joshua Wamby. <laughs> I'm a troublemaker. Um, so... This is what God is moving us into. So can I give you some instructions about partnership? Are you ready for partnership? I hope you're excited for tonight's service. I hope you can tell that our father is carrying a lot at this moment. And usually when you're carrying a lot of weight, you're a bit agitated, isn't it? When there's a lot on you, you're agitated. So uh, what I'm saying is that the agitation that you see of your leader, of your father, of our father, Pastor Toby, is to tell you that there's something he needs to deposit. So what I want to prepare all of us is that our hearts will be made ready by the word, not by zeal, because I've used a whole two hours. I, you can say that I've really expanded that, right? I hope you understand all that I've said to you. But how do we now prepare for partnership? How partnership was not the conversation of the first day of the word conference. It was the conversation of the last day. Meaning that day one, two, three, and four were stepping stones towards it. Your only way there is the words you're hearing. So let's get into partnership now.
Um, where would we start? God showed us something. I'll start off with this to give you the instructions. God showed us something from the beginning. It will almost look and sound like I'm saying that God made a mistake. But scripture says that everything he made was made perfect. Perfection for you was deemed as beauty. Perfection for God was it will be useful for purpose. So, you know, sometimes a leader comes to you and perfection is harshness. It's not beautiful, but the purpose behind it is perfect. So I'm going to need you to hear me with this. And here might be up and down, so you will have to take notes of. Because yesterday I intentionally asked in the chat, this word is weighty. But then I said, um, I'm hearing given. Because it's partnership. And I started off this whole conversation saying to you that it is important that you receive ability to be able to respond at this new level of demand. I also said to you that you yourself, by zeal, by zest, by, by efforts, cannot respond to a demand. And it was from there that I said to you that the only way you can respond to demand, that's why I took you to Hebrews 11, was you becoming familiar with the way God works. Because at this level of demand, what God is asking you for is like what I preached to you at the beginning of Revival Church, the demand of love and death. Death is God's enemy, but it's what he requires from you. He saw his son. He said the last enemy is death, but what did he require from Christ? Death. He saw Abraham. Abraham was asking for life because he can see everything about him was leading to death. And God says, look, until Paul can have a, a sermon out of your life, Abraham, where he can say that your body was as good as dead, you will not see life. So when Sam started to prophetically declare from death to life, we've gone for some of us, we've gone over that worship and worship. And I hope you do know he's not just shouting. If not, if you think he's shouting, then I'm scared of all the worship sessions that we have when you hear me speaking. Because that means you just think I'm just talking. From death to life. Your life does not begin until, listen to this, until you satisfy death. Death is hungry. And for it to be done away with you, you must satisfy it. It's the way God, so Christ will not be able to fulfill all that he was called to do until he satisfied death. The only thing is that, again, it was a trick. He was never in debt to, to, to the grave, to death. And so the riches that were hidden in the belly of death had to be given back over so that death can settle God. So I want to start off with saying that I wrote here that God wanted to partner up with men of the earth. Yeah, this is where I'm going to say that it will almost seem like he made a mistake. God wanted to partner up. I'm going to use you, Ashley, for illustration here. Nothing bad. I'm going to use our marriage as an example. God wanted to partner up with the men of the earth. But the thing that would be seen almost as a problem was that he held back. 
it looked like God held back. This is notes from yesterday. Partnership, I want you to note this down. Partnership is the giving of all to each other. So what God wanted to show us from Genesis was the giving of all. The effects of it. Do you know why your life usually starts off with poverty or um, lack of knowledge or problems? It's so that when the real teaching comes, you can appreciate it. Why I said to you I can't despise everything that's happened before is because if I did not see that, I will not have something to measure what I'm hearing now. And who knows, we would have probably despised things because we could not have seen truth. Why does God pair things together? Because all things are measured against another. Why would there be a Nimrod? Because there must be a contemporary to an Abraham, both who led nations. Why would there be two Adams? So you can appreciate the real Adam, the second Adam, the last Adam. Why would there be a Judas, a disciple, so that the replacement can be reckoned with? So it almost sounds like I'm saying that God made a mistake, but he was trying to teach us it was perfect. So let's actually start off with 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I hope that's the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Yeah, go on, from verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Did you see that? Can you read it once more? I need everyone to hear this. These are the instructions for the demand of partnership. Go on. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Did you notice I said this to you? Not, I think it was the end of 2020. I started to speak to you things like Stephen, greater than Moses, on Periscope. It's not on the word on SoundCloud. I started to speak about the new covenant ministry, the ministers of the new covenant. People like Pastor Jane really heard those words. And if you heard those words, I started to make remarks. You know, what I want you to take note of, yeah, is, uh, how can I say this now? Um, I'm really trying to sound say things that you won't misinterpret. Mis, um, okay, let me leave that. Let me leave that. I, 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 if I find out how to say it, I will say it tonight or today. But the scripture says, whoever sows. So, okay, let me say this part. So, so that you're not missing. If you remember in those words, I said that the new ministers, the old ministers, the prophets of old, spoke ahead of things, things that they could not understand. So one day an Isaiah prophesies that a virgin will give birth of a son. He's saying something he cannot understand. Then in the New Testament, when Christ comes, Christ says, that John was the greatest of everyone that came before him, yet you are better than him. What was the pivotal moment? I started off saying that the disciples 
didn't understand. And I started off taking you in Hebrews 5 saying that you should know more, but you stopped trying to understand. How can you understand something that is not explained? So you know in the first or in the Old Testament, there was many words without explanations. Like, if I heard that a virgin will give birth, I will probably ask, please, how would this happen? But even the prophets could not say. They can only pronounce. So what makes you better than them? The disciples who also could not understand the announcement or the pronouncement or whatever, they will go to the side. They will step out of the busyness of the masses. They will go to the side and ask for the explanations of the things that Christ was announcing. You see what we're doing now? Do you know why it's long? So I realized, how was Paul preaching for 12 hours? And this is what I tried to tell you in 2020. He was an explainer, an expounder of the Bible. Notice the scripture. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, Peter was the first one who preached. But do you notice what he did? He started the beginning of the conversation with Abraham all the way to Christ and explained the conversation. It's the, it, what makes him more powerful than John, Elijah and all of that was that given to him was the revelation to explain. But what came before the ability to explain, the ability to follow to the place of understanding? God gave us a prophetic name, seekers. We kept pushing until we can understand. Because there's a law that can be activated. If you ask, you eventually receive. If you seek, you eventually find. And if you knock, that door, listen, you will be rest assured that that door will be opened. But you must continue to seek. I need to know that everyone's on, so you're just going to have to be sensitive. So in that word, I said that Peter was powerful because he started explaining. Again, there's no way you can preach, preach like the, the administration of preaching for 12 hours. How? So I get why their ministries were so long. Why PT would show us notable scriptures like Paul remained in the city of Ephesus. He took them into a school. When he took them into a school, he began to speak to them for many years until the word so mightily grew that it prevailed. It's in the ministry of explanation. That's why we have word explosions. You will think the old church can just give you a word on a Sunday. But we have to keep a conversation. And whenever God wants to birth something new, he has to intensify everything around the word. The level of the word. The time spent in the word. The giving that supports the word. Everything is intensified to break you into a new realm. So God started to use men to explain. Now, what made Paul powerful was that you see the scripture we just read? What if I tell you that he was explaining God? Because check all their preachings. 
they always explain the whole gospel. They don't speak part. Example, if Paul wanted to speak about marriage, he would not speak about marriage as here and now. He will tell you that marriage is spiritual and it represents Christ and the church like the beginning. He will always seem to be making reference to history to give you context to it now. He's explaining. So what if I tell you that the one who gave sparingly was actually God? He's explaining. Are you here with me? Instructions and secrets to partnership. So PT started off saying something that I knew people didn't understand, and he's been saying it for years. God, after being at war with the devil, everything was lost. All that was remaining was the throne and a particle of water, which he said represents the word. And guess what happened? He creates man. And all of a sudden, what God said is perfect started going terribly wrong. God started saying he's regretting and he says he's going to destroy the world, but ends up not destroying the world. Or we think he didn't destroy the world. Do you know what God was showing us or what God showed me? And I hope you'll be able to take what I'm about to say to you. God was trying to show us with the first Adam that any given that is done sparingly will wreak havoc. Did you hear what I've said? What did God spare his son at that time? The word remained with God. When God created man, let me explain this to you. If he didn't spare Christ, Christ would have come with Adam. There wouldn't be an alternative. There wouldn't be a fallback plan. But he spared in the giving to show man that the best of a given, if you were to give, let's use money to try and explain this. If you gave 150 million and you had 300 million, 150 million may seem powerful, right? But if the counsel of God in your heart was to give 280, but because 150 is a lot, you spared in your giving. You see, when you give there, it will wreak havoc. It will be generational. So God had to show himself that the giving of sparing will eventually wreak havoc. So this, the gift he gave sparingly am I saying it properly yeah sparingly yeah the gift that he gave was the one that caused the bible says through one man death reigned but I thought Adam was all of God you know scripture actually doesn't say Adam was all of God because PT taught us before, if you guys remember, that's why you have to hear the conversation because sometimes something can be said today and you may think it's the ultimate truth. But if you have not joined the conversation, you still won't understand that because PT has told us that before man was fully made, they fell. He showed us Genesis chapter 2. So Christ came to fully make man. So uh, are you understanding what I'm saying? Uh, 
I was thinking if I'll share this, but so God actually had to make it seem like he made a mistake to show us that this, the gift given, because remember I said partnership, God wanted to partner with the earth. But if they're going to fully benefit, if me and Pastor Ashley's marriage is going to fully prosper, she can't be given 100% and I give 80 Partnership is the giving of all between each other. Do you understand that? It's the giving of all between each other. So God wanted to partner with the earth. He was sowing a seed because eventually the earth will need to partner with him. But he had to show them that the person that gives sparingly, yeah, you will have some results, but eventually even that will wreak havoc. So, you know, PT got to a place and he said in passing, if God enters a city. Do you remember the names he said if he was to find who he will credit? Do you remember? He said, if I see Job there, if I see Abraham there, I will, I will credit to them. Do you know why? Because of what they suffered. Because of their losses. Uh, I'm going to have to break this down because even I'm gauge. So how I'm gauging you guys is by gauging the people here. Read 2 Corinthians again. Let's read it again. Remember, these guys were the expounder of the gospel. What is better than things that you're hearing along the way? The things that have been explained to you. So some people lived in the day of Moses and could not tell that this was heading to Christ because it wasn't given to them. For us, we can say, oh, Israel, why, why were you like this? No, if you were there in the days of Israel, you would have done exactly like them because they did not know where this was going. You have seen the complete thing and can then reckon and reason. So Paul was explaining what giving sparingly does. Go on, read it for me. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Yeah. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if God really wanted to reap generously of the earth, he had to show us too. Again, the reason for the first Adam was so that you can proper, properly measure the second. So now when it came to, look, look at how it started. Genesis 1 is the introduction of Adam. John 1 is another introduction of the world, right? And we meet the second Adam. It's just that this time the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only. He gave all that he had. And the only time there will be true retribution and restoration is at the giving of all. Because it's through all that you settle and satisfy death. And life does not begin until you've crossed from death to life. What is love? What is partnership? The giving of all. By this we know love, that a man should lay down his life all for his friend, his partner. So God looks at us and he says, if I enter a city and I see an Abraham, I see a Job, I will credit to them. Because God is drawn to dead Paul, so I said to some people yesterday that eventually I have to go to Paul when Paul started to say that in order for me to acquire what is most valuable, Christ, I have to consider all these things as loss 
Because God will only credit that which is considered dead, which is at losses. God is attracted. Paul kept making comments saying, do you remember what Paul kept saying? Huh? Do you remember what Paul kept saying? Paul kept saying, um, um, you know, that's just distracted me though. What was I saying now? Um, Paul kept saying, I don't understand why you do these things. You know, you would hope that you have a capable team and people, but you don't know how many times you have to speak to them, speak to them. I don't get it, but oh well, the call will help us. Paul would say things like, in order for me to gain Christ, I consider all things as losses. He will have to suffer something. God, oh, uh, that, thank God I remember now. God, or oh, Paul kept saying that I want to know the power of your resurrection. It's there that you see, re you really see God's power. You know, in partnership, what are you meant to be running on? The power of his resurrection. But that cannot happen until you have satisfied. So, Pastor Alex actually spoke a word more powerful than you think. He said that the word of God is alive and active, but it cannot be fully effective until one of it has satisfied the other. It cannot be alive and alive meeting. It must be death and life. You should have died for the word to really have its way in you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies which is your reasonable sacrifice as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship, sorry. You're meant to be dead to certain things. So I realize you can't access a level. God's first part of your life is dealing with you, dealing with you, dealing with you until you become dead. Then he's attracted you to give you life. One of Pastor Ben's favorite scriptures is the, is the fact that the first Adam was became a living soul or whatever it was or however it said huh? but the second Adam became a life-giving spirit you're not going to give life to where there's life you give life to where it's dead that's why we have the things like the 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 prophecy of the dry bones they had to be dead for them to receive life Adam had to be dead to receive life. Your businesses have to be dead to receive life, meaning it cannot now be moved by anything before the life of God goes there. So Paul was trying to explain to us, let's read the scripture, Philippians 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Yeah. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So because he can reason everything, I'm almost done. Because he can reason everything, he knows that, okay, there's a trick behind this. Christ gave himself to death. People, you know, pity is such a man of God that he makes you laugh and sometimes your laughing distracts you. You know, most people were laughing through the point when PT started saying that a man is trying to run away from death only to be hit by a trailer. So he, because he's trying to run away from death, because he's trying to attack poverty with poverty, he empowers death. So what was PT saying to us? Please hear me because it's kind of sensitive this. What was PT saying to us? 
people are actually running away from death. But if by faith they satisfy death, they will have life. So Christ cannot die at an old age because he must show something of satisfying death by choice. Most people don't satisfy death by choice. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So now we look at this. Paul says, I've met a mystery. There's something, the conversation of God that I was able to stay on gave me an understanding, gave me a mystery. And that mystery was, you know what? Me being fully alive, everything that should make me alive, I'll count it as a loss. I'll consider myself death in order to know the power of his resurrection. That's why someone who gives all can still have an abundance because he's dying daily. You know when he starts saying things, we die daily. You ask yourself, what are you talking about? No, he considered himself at loss. The problem is, is that the next level of test when God wants to give you partnership is that you're going to start having. The issue is, would you be able to rightly partner? Because partnership is, Pastor Obi must give all, not part of him to Pastor Ashley. And a Pastor Ashley must give all to me. Only then can that be reckoned real partnership. In case you think all the things I'm saying is my opinion, yeah? Again, PT said, if he goes into a city and he sees Abraham, Abraham suffered the loss of all things. When it was Lot, the sign of his son, the symbol of his son, the shadow of his son, he tried everything to keep him, but he lost him eventually. He begged God on behalf of Ishmael, but he lost him. And then when it came to the only begotten, at his own hands, like poor, he had to voluntarily give that over. You see, the problem was that Lot wasn't voluntary. Circumstance took him away. Ishmael wasn't voluntary. Circumstance took him away. But your power is what you can voluntarily give to God. Isaac was the real test. Will uh, Ibi grow to a place and will she be able to keep up partner? Partnering is not 10%. Partnering is all. What is mine is yours, in other words. So you understand prayers when Christ started to say things. Let me share the glory that we both shared. It became what mine is yours. He was saying, I'm your partner here on earth. Because I gave you all. As the father, you gave your all, your son to the earth. But now I'm giving you all by laying my life. If you think this is opinionated, Hebrews chapter 5. Let's round up with this. And then we're done. Hebrews chapter 5. You need to satisfy death. Hebrews chapter 5. This is our last scripture for today. You've done well. Go on. Every high priest is selected from among the people mm. and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, mm. to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. Yeah. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. Uh -huh. And no one takes this honor on himself. But he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. Yep. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Christ did not take on himself 
the glory. He did not take the honor upon himself. Do you understand what that means? I'm tying a lot of things together now. He didn't just make an executive decision. Yeah? In fact, read it so you understand where I'm going with this. Go on. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Yeah. But God said to him, you are my son. Did you see that? He did not take up the executive decision. Okay. It was not going to be... <laughs> this guy... <laughs> <laughs> Glody was caught up. He just decided to preach with me on the mic. But hear this, please, because this is how you prepare for partnership. He did not take it up upon himself. It was not a service driven by zeal. He did it because God started a conversation with him saying, you are my son. God opened his account. He said, you are my son and I am your father. Carry on. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. During the days of Jesus' life on this earth. This is my main point. Go on. He offered up prayers and petitions. During the days of his life on a continuous basis. That's why it says during the days of his life on a continuous basis, he offered up sacrifices. Go on. And petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Why was it fervent? It shows he was totally involved in it. Do you understand? It, it, it was everything of him. What happened with that? And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Why was he heard? Because of his reverent submission. What was his reverent submission? Go on. Son though he was. He was a son. Son though he was. Please, this is where I end everything. Son though he was. What happened? He learned obedience from what he suffered. He learned obedience from what he suffered. So God told me disobedience is actually sparing. Obedience is given of all. He said, son though he was, he learned obedience by what he suffered. So why would PT say, if I was to go into a city and find an Abraham, Abraham learned obedience by suffering the loss of his son and was rewarded with nations. Job, did you see what Job suffered? Did you notice that there was nothing spared? He had 10 kids and God would take 10. And, you know, all the conversations of the book of Job was to try and make it seem like God took it. As far if he dared to rebuke God for it, he is saying to everyone that God took it. If he appreciates and esteems God, he's saying that voluntarily I give it. So it was through what he suffered. Look, I always say what brought our space into the nation was that God made our child mature. It was at the height of youth revival that it was asked of us. And we were to give it. So I heard the first part of the instruction. The first part of the instruction was, let me tell you the truth. The first part of the instruction was, hand it over. The actual instruction was, get rid of it. Because if that was in the instruction, then P. Rick should be leading youth revival right now. But that wouldn't have taken him anywhere. So do you know what PT did? He also took a P-Rex to show that this was meant to be killed and put him in a work here. 
unless you have a son, something that is all of you. So it was at the height of your journey in Christ's embassy that God called you. At the point when I think it was the next year that you should have been ordained as a pastor, possibly, God takes it from you. And then he sees. So I kept saying to people that God taught me that you must not complain. Because complaint tells God something. You're not agreeing with him. That's what you're saying. So therefore, it's not an offering. Do you understand these things? So the Bible says, son, though he was. Are you still on with me, everyone? Is every house, is every leader on? Son, though he was. He was not going to learn obedience outside of what he suffered. And what was the suffering? The giving of all, the loss of all. So what is God saying to us? You know, until, I can give you many examples, Jonah, until the demand of God enters the water, that boat will be struck with winds and turbulence. Do you remember Jonah was on his way and there was a storm that arose and what God was asking for, because someone would think the giving of voice, meaning that if you raise 500K, yeah, that the giving of all is 500K. That's not what I said. The giving of all is what God demanded. And most people do not do all of what God is telling them. They do what is considered good. Yes, there will be times that the giving of all is everything. But sometimes the giving of all will be, most people don't do the giving of all because they've got an alternative conversation going on at the same time with the conversation of God that they need to invest and God is saying, it's not investment that's going to take you, it's my word. So God's speaking to me and now speaking to the Wealth Nation families that, you see when we get into the partnership, son, though you are, you will only learn obedience by what you suffer. Am I saying we're going to suffer? I'm saying it's, you know, your flesh will be saying no and your spirit will be contending with it. That suffering, that contention, that conflict is suffering. But you will enter a realm if you can prove your spirit being more willing. If you are empowered in your spiritual man, in your inner man, if you're empowered there, that's why I said it has to be the word. It's not zeal. I trust God. I trust the Holy Spirit that all this conversation for almost three hours now, uninterrupted, I trust God. You may not see it now. But I trust God that God is embedding in the innermost part of you strength. Strength to be able to attend and respond to any demand that God puts in your heart. You know the demand that God puts in your heart. I know what God is asking of me. And I know that it takes strength, his word. Remember I said that the strength of Gideon was the conversation. If I can stay with that conversation, I'll be able to respond. So, again, what am I saying? And this is all I wanted to say about partnership. Partnership is the giving of all. And so, son, though you are, you will only learn that by what you suffered. Can you give all to the detriment of everything, to the expense of every other thing? You know, some, if I look at uh, a law house, Individually, I see a Grace who for many years has invested her own money, her own time into graceful touch. 
I've seen a Christabel and an Esther invest so much time into mafia styles, their, their own businesses. I've seen a Basola who has for ages done a Basola B makeup. But a task is at hand, and this is not even a big demand though, but a task is in their hand that give up everything for that one thing. I pray for strength for the Wealth Nation family. I pray that we will, in this season, develop ears that hear, eyes that see, and a heart that's able to perceive and understand. And in doing that, God will give us the ability to respond. I want you to get ready for tonight's partnership. And I believe that as we have spoken this word, it's not for your head to understand it. It's God doing a work in you. And you're going to see, be used to displace nations, dispossess nations. Why? Because of the conversation. Not because of your good behavior. Not because of what you think you didn't do or what you did do. It's going to be because of the conversation he's having with you and I. So I pray for you that that strength will not be taken from you. Like 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Maybe we'll read this as our last prayer. Paul said that the grace given to me was not to no effect. Another translation says it was not wasted. I pray that God will give you wisdom to make use of the grace that he's given to you. I remember PT speaking and saying, if COD is told to go and take Ireland, Germany, and all of these places, and they ask, how would they do it? God said, I should say to you that he will give you grace. This is what God will give us, grace. Are you hearing me? I'm praying for the family now. God will give us grace to do what we cannot do by ourselves. And I'm saying it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. If you hear this conversation, there's still much that God wants to do with you. So I want you to begin to embrace over, the ne over a period of time, however long God sees fit, we're going to begin to see what this wealth nation entity really is. But until then, we will intensify in the area of the word until we break into that realm. Word and giving. So I close with saying this. Our giving this month is still going to be six figures, meaning it's minimum 125. Let's go out and make it happen. Do you hear that? Do you believe we can do these things? What are we doing? We're buying into a realm. For the kingdom of God is like, it suffers violence, but the violent enters by force. They take it. So I love you guys. Thank you for your patience this afternoon. I know it was random. It was out of the place. But if you're sensitive, despite all the jokes, if you know my heart, if you understand this, you'll know that this is spiritual-led. And this is the way we position ourselves as partners of God's apostle, Pastor Toby. I love you all. See you in this evening. Bye, guys.